Well, Brent is gay, and Caitlin's gay, yeah. and Clark is gay, yeah. and Ryan's gay, yeah. and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 115. Hey, Such guys. Such large numbers. I know. We're in triple digits. We have been for a few months now. For for 15 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, you're, you're a mathematician. Yeah. A mathematician, That works. It's three and a half, so th- that's a few, right? Few is three. Couple, few. Two. Several. Some is four. Some is four or five. Several we, is like seven. We right? really have to get to the metric system because this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> We're using American Imperial. <laughs> a so, bunch. Uh, speaking of American Imperials, uh, the fourth episode of Watchmen dropped this week, and God, the show God. is just getting better and better. Damn it. A third strong female character over the age of 40 was revealed to us. It's Lady True, uh, and she has a very, very dramatic entrance. Give it to us, Kaylin. Give it to us. Uh, she comes in um, and tells a married couple we've never seen before uh who apparent to be apparently are childless uh she makes them a deal she wants their house she's gonna give them three minutes to decide she goes in exchange i know y'all have been barren you've tried to have kids it's such a terrible way to describe it um and in exchange for your house i will give you this child and it's of your genetic material my favorite is that they like just believed her. They're like, "That's my baby. It has yeah. your eyes." But <laughs> she she did basically barge into the house and is like, "I've got a game show for you. Your house for a child. By the way, here's the child." Yeah, that introduction was amazing. The actress, I should have looked up her name. She is so good. She's phenomenal. I she has like the best it. hair. I love Hello. her. Hello, like, yeah, it's just so sweet and terrifying. A little bit odd that she came in at the last minute before the meteor hit the ground. <laughs> she had all day <laughs> right uh i did love the scene where they go well what if we don't take your deal well i'll have to terminate the baby <gasps> just kidding i'll find it a loving it was adorable. Home. <laughs> it was so intense it was it's made super so intense. intense uh i love also and some observation i made right after the episode was the a last sno- name observation observation that is kind of what you do when you talk <laughs> i it is well actually this is what i do when i talk uh is the a uh, couple, their last name is the Clarks, and they're getting a baby that's uh, from... That, I thought I thought. I yeah. thought I heard yeah. that. It's the second Superman reference yes. that the show's made. The first one being of... Um, um, oh, gosh. What's his face? Uh, don't know, but uh, that's R- one Will- more... William Reeves. William one Reeves more from the dig person's... at Zack Snyder. Uh, oh, and there's another dig at Zack Snyder, which we'll get into. Yeah, go on. Um, so... Um, the episode, uh, I don't want to go through a full recap, but what I want to do is ask y'all some questions yeah. Yeah. about what we think are going to happen. So, um, what's up with them all, all them clones? The so ju- you mean the baby soup where yeah. they, the, the, he, Adrian Vite gets to, Vite, Vite, Vite gets Adrian, to, do the, do the voice. Adrian Vite. That's pretty uh-huh. good. Bane. The Bane <laughs> it's of my not existence. Bane. I don't know why you think it's Bane. Um, <laughs> is that your Brent? Yeah. Uh, I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, so, <laughs> so Ryan Kroll. Okay. So yeah, there's like the baby soup where he takes the babies, he puts them in that machine, and they get ground up into people. No, they they get ex- microwaved into being. Oh, uh, okay. It's and, like a bag of popcorn. It's just like pop 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 pop, 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 pop and, it's big. And uh, the whole theme for this episode was how do we make everything shaped like an egg? Uh, <laughs> that machine was shaped like an egg. The Clarks are selling eggs. There's like 80 egg references in this entire episode. There really are. You're right. And when we're introduced to Angela, she's making eggs. Yes. In the first episode. Enough about these eggs. I know. That's Uh, what I'm saying. Do you think it's a tie-in to the X-Men Krakoa universe? (laughs) Um, That was an excellent observation. observation. Uh, well, so uh, actually, it wasn't. So yeah, so observation. <laughs> so let's just let's switch over gears yeah. to talk about Adrian Veidt overall. So he's obviously launching them into what is a fake screen, which we already knew because it goes into a frozen space. Yeah, it we seems like exposition. he's building a suit. Seems like they want to trick you to think it's in the moon. Like that was that transition. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, it seems more like a confirmation than anything. Yeah, the, the show's so heavy-handed, I assume that that was to confirm he was on the moon. Uh, but The uh, moon or Mars? Well, I mean, that we keep going back to that, but I'm like, there for they four did show years, you. Uh, at least. As, yeah, so we was right about the candles bit. Suck it. I didn't say you weren't. You I said, I don't think, I don't see the candles growing every week. Mrs. Crooks. <laughs> 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 um, Mr. Phillips. They, 
the the two that play the actor and actress that play them were pretty good at looking like dumbfounded baby idiots that couldn't speak while they were being led through the murder zone. Yeah, he I, killed that many bodies just to prove that they were flying through a virtual reality. Look, I mean, <laughs> well, no, because he he just went on a murder. Yeah, he just got pissed because uh, he kept failing and killed a bunch of Mr. Phillips and Mrs. Crookshanks. But I ended up having nightmares about that only because I was like in the middle of like some feverish sickness and so yeah, sleeping I next to your husband go kept, on well actually that's important <laughs> because i was in a state where i was half asleep half awake and i kept having the same recurring thoughts uh, about that scene that and I happened kept, to me when i watched it too. i kept imagining yeah. i was a mr phillips that didn't and happen to tristan me. kept replacing me <laughs> and and because I was that's sick, real life, bitch. Because I was sick, I was the degrading one. Oh and I'm going to get replaced soon. Well, uh, we don't want to spoil anything for your real life. Well, uh, we heard Tristan's wedding vows. Catapult ride. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so okay, so who we think it's Doctor Manhattan that kidnapped him? What? So I was talking to a friend about this. Where there are? Do you think? Lady True is. Are they reviving? Like, are they waiting for his return? Or did she take over to do something else? I felt like he's going to be the only one that could have stopped her, and he, she, he's been fucked up somewhere. Like, well, I that I don't know, and I think it's all up to speculation at this point. I do think that all of this is happening at a different time than the totally. Rest of the show. Yeah, I think because the beginning of the show said that Adrian Vite is dead, which either means that he's. They don't know that they don't know he's still alive, or it's all happening before the he ends opening up scenes. getting back and die. What if like they catapulted him and he actually flew from the moon to Earth and then landed, and they're like, "That's Adrian Veidt, and he's dead." I think that would be the worst punchline <laughs> ever. I would laugh my ass off. So, so uh, I've been going back and reading the comics, uh, the comic uh, again, right? And uh, in Carnassus, Adrian Veidt's. Um, uh, home away from home in the Arctic. He's got his little terrarium, which um, Lady True has kind of replicated yeah. Yeah. her yeah, yeah, yeah. home Vietnam. Yeah. And one of the things I liked about the catapult scene was that it was reminiscent of the snowdrift over the dome yeah. on his little thing. Oh, yeah. What I, what I think might have happened is not that there's a time shift. It's that Adrian Veidt went into hiding and Lady True helped him execute that hiding by exiling him on the moon ah. in a terrarium of her own design. So he thinks probably there's some system that's it's helping paradise. us yeah. operate, mm-hmm. and that if he can have a get a suit that can not like allow him to travel back to Earth, but to get him into whatever facility yeah. is running this system, that maybe he can escape. That's an interesting. That's an interesting theory. I like that. I yeah I blacked I, out. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I enjoy the concept that because he does explicitly state this was supposed to be a paradise, but it's like a hell prison. Or yeah. prison it's yeah. a prison. So it's like he did. There was something led him to want to be there that obviously turned around and fucked him over. So that's that's a good observation. A so, observation. Uh, a couple of other questions. Um, William Reeves, he's the hood of justice, right? <laughs> If they, if he is, then I think he's been whitewashed in the American Hero Story TV show, which is my, one of my next questions. But yeah, um, I, I don't know if he is, but uh, basically, I mean, he, he, in the show, they've confirmed his name is William Reeves. Yeah, but maybe was he from the Reeves family, or did he take that name he, afterward? I, I think he took the name afterwards. Um, because based uh, off of Boz Reeves, right? Bass Reeves, Boz based Reeves. on because the yeah. as a kid he's watching the silent film about yes. Boss Reeves, yeah, uh, ostensibly Boss Reeves. Uh, also, when they give more information about him, um, after you know after he survived his family, is they say he was a cop in New York, yeah, in the forties and fifties, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Hood of Justice started off in in one of the boroughs in New York, I think in Queens or the Bronx or something. That's I did not get any of those references while I was watching the episode, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but another thing that would add into it is yeah. the um, that German propaganda that yes. was yes. given. Um, the the woman who typed up that propaganda is the name the same name as the character who is who the weightlifter who's referenced Rolf. in 
in uh, Munsell, I thought was the last name. Maybe it, I thought like Rolf Munsell or something like that. Yes. In, in Under the Hood in the graphic novel, yeah, right. Hollis Mason's uh, biography. Um, the other thing about that actually is his father got the German propaganda when he's over there in right. World War One, right. and uses that to say, watch over the boy. Hollis Mason said in Under, Under the Hood that uh, the Hooded Justice had uh, sympathetic views to the Third Reich up until up until uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. That tells me that maybe he was using the German propaganda he got as a kid, one of his early memories, to say that Germany treats black people better right. than America does. And so, of course, he could theoretically transfer that over into uh, his views on the Third Reich. Up to that point, uh, uh, historically, I don't think Americans knew about all the atrocities right. towards right. Uh, Jewish people and other minorities in, in Germany. No, I mean, it's definitely, I think the show itself, even within that scene, sold it relatively well as like, right, if you weren't as you wouldn't be back then, and the, the fucking news doesn't travel, it's not like you can jump on the internet, like... The it does web. make sense why people would see and hear different stories and take and and think about them themselves. Uh, my question, because they think I haven't seen the comic in a in a little while, like you obviously don't see Hooded Justice, but you also never see like his actual. Because I did, you never it, see his face. It, it, yeah, in Hooded, in Hooded, Ju- uh, Hooded Justice as the character, uh, all part of his body is covered and. You can only see his actual the whites of his eyes. You don't see precisely. That's why. Him. So I like. Yeah. So that makes a ton of sense. Totally fits. I like just as a. I'm sort of a dumbfounded watcher. Like I like to just sort of watch and then like, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So this is the actually the meta commentary about the Zack Snyder film, is when uh, Angela and Lori are in the car and you see that PD's in the back seat. And That's so funny. I love that scene They're so much. Be- such an intense conversation, and then they. Oh, they open up the scene and Petey's just sitting back there like a weird little kid. A weird, weird little kid. And uh, Lori basically says, hey, why don't you tell Angela about me? And she goes, right. well, she, her, you know, she's a slow specter. Her mom is a slow specter, was in the Minutemen. And Angela goes, you mean like the TV show? And Petey turns into that fan. And that's a fan I recognize because I'm that fucking fan where he goes, th- th- like he just gets incredulous. Like the show, the show's just yeah. garbage. It's just garbage. It's none of it's none of it's right. So it goes back to your point about uh, the whitewash hooded justice in the Minutemen TV show within a show because they're basing it on under the hood Hollis Mason's yeah. thing. And and in one of the PDPD articles, he basically rips apart everything that Hollis Mason said, including the allegations that uh, hooded justice and Captain Metropolis had a homosexual affair, mm. and he even said that Hollis was obviously homophobic. For a variety of reasons, he might have been gay himself. He was never married. He never had a girlfriend that we knew of. All that kind of stuff. And he loved fashion. And he was popular among the boys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it to me, it was like how real fans of the graphic novel, I hate saying that because I sound like a gatekeeper, uh, really don't like the movie version. Yeah. They, yeah. And it, it's him as a fan saying the movie version of Watchmen is garbage. All right, who which is, it is. Who is Lube Man? Is it Petey? That was an awesome thing but you think it's because he's, he's so skinny i don't know i mean I, I i like the idea that there's just this really shitty looking like who well because that's because red red is the obviously the worst looking of the superheroes yeah panda i think has this kind of grunge aspect that kind of works he hasn't and, come back and, and i think red also has this kind of trashiness that works it yeah. it still looks like a uniform lube man looks ridiculous Luke man <laughs> looks like a really bad uh like it's like you're you asked your mom the night before for a costume to look like the guy from silver surfer no not even from uh fuck hellboy the amphibian oh <laughs> uh, <Ape's Apian>. yeah, <laughs> yeah like, uh, he looks like i don't know if you guys watched community but he looks like the mascot human being oh yes yes <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't decide on the mascot so they decided we're gonna go with a non-race based oh. generic human, <laughs> human being. being so they made him gray oh uh, my god the I love it that that scene was awesome obviously i i've never enjoyed watching someone go fuck or like what like regina king just loves ex- exclaiming things and then chasing after people 
Um, but that I that slide was really cool. I want to. I feel like there needs to be like a hashtag oil man cha- lube man challenge where it's like everyone's just sliding into sewers no, after spraying themselves with oil. That's next year's Halloween costume. Until like someone accidentally has like a piece of metal on their costume and it starts to spark on the rocks and they just catch flame. Ultimate crossover <laughs> episode is the lube man with uh, Pennywise in the sewer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's such a weird character. It was such a weird thing to do. I would never have predicted that. It was such a. Str- I was like, I had to sit up to be like, to that because obviously, like as most people do, kind of you sometimes you look at your phone real quick, and I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> look at your phone. Like we don't, we know you don't mean smoke some more hookah. <laughs> so uh, a couple more observations before we wrap up. Yeah, uh, Watchmen. So Pedipedia. I don't know if you guys have read this week's Pedipedia. Pedipedia. We find out it's all about Merlin Corps. They're the ones who designed the big, big blue dildo oh. uh, from last week, and as well as the owl ships the cops use, because it's by Dan Dreberg, ah, who was the second night owl, nice. who in the, ult- the ultimate move of passive aggression created a big blue dildo for Lori because he was convinced that she was still hung up on Dr. I Manhattan. I do remember that, yeah. And um, there was a, that was a very it's a very interesting transcript. I highly recommend people go read PDpedia uh, just because it has so much extra interesting content. Yeah. But it was a an interview of Lori after they had stopped um, uh, the Unis the Unabomber. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Timothy Mc, Timothy McVeigh, right? McVeigh, yeah. yeah. Is Wait, it, no, was the Unabomber was Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, Ted Unabomber Kaczynski. somebody else. So Timothy, it was just Timothy was, McVeigh Timothy in 95. McVeigh, uh, from destroying the Murray building. Right, in Oklahoma. Um, which is just a... Normally, I hate it when uh, people retroactively... When stories retroactively try and redesign history. But in this case, I feel like it, yeah. it, it worked because it wasn't that big of a deal. But it's just a very funny, interesting dialogue. Yeah. And it really is... Ju- you could just see Gene Smart playing this... Yeah. Well, I think the divergence in this world from ours um, was like 1959 or 1960, whenever Dr. Manhattan first uh, appeared on the scene. And so uh, certain things uh, that would have normally happened in our world obviously have a different outcome in this world. So I I like that. Uh, One last observation. This is a little bit of world building that I thought was really fascinating that it kind of jarred me for a second. It's the scene at Angela's house and the little kids are talking about, well, what happens to Judd? What happened to Judd? Like, he went to heaven, right? And uh, the older kid is like, no, he became nothing. And then uh, Cal, who's Angel's husband, came and said, yeah, before he was anything, he was nothing. Then he became a baby, then a kid, then an adult, and then he died, and now he's nothing again. And the kids are like, cool, waffles. It's like, it is one of the... Uh, most frank look at atheism. That's one of the most generous portrayals of atheists (laughs) as a family on TV. And it just tells me... That's the inclusion I'm looking for. Well, this is... This world... God is dead. (laughs) Now let's have some waffles. This world is a quote-unquote liberal utopia, even though it has problems, and so things like atheism are not looked down upon. Well, and I also would imagine too, as we've seen kind of in the coming attractions for next week episode, is that you can see that looking glass is part of a interdimensional support group, yeah. like anxiety support group. And so like if that sort of thing happened and still people believe it's real, because they obviously also in this episode he chased after finding like a big one that they dumped. So like they haven't no one's clarified where those are coming from and who's running that. Right. Um when that happens, it's like, do you if you if there was an interdimensional rip in our universe and a giant squid zombie popped out and died, I don't think that many people would be like, "Where is Jesus to save us now?" You know, like I'm sure people would flock to it in some capacity, but many other people would it's be like, "It's like Rick and Morty. It's like we now worship the heads." Right. Like I'm like you would just be like that doesn't that doesn't fit. There was never anything in scripture about interdimensional beings. I mean, a little bit of real world practicality to that um on uh, on Mars, you know, NASA's noticed odd fluctuations in oxygen and other uh, output that is related to life forms existing. And previous expeditions to Mars haven't really tried to test or capture, see if there's any life forms as an explicit, I don't know if this is actually conspiracy theory, but as an explicit goal that we, that NASA wouldn't want to be the ones to really cause a lot of distress in society by saying there's life off of Earth. 
because then for a lot of Christian views, it would be very uh, challenging. Right. Um, and one thing I was going to say, just to wrap us up, I feel like we all have to give snaps to HBO, the creators and the actors of the show for giving us fantastic five minutes. I guess it was probably five, maybe seven minutes of pure entertainment of Gene Smart, the woman who plays Lady True and Regina King in a room together, all interacting, having multiple scenes of just discussion between all three of them. Yes. Then two at once, then the other two at once, then the other two at once. Man, like, oh, the scene when Lady True and Angela are speaking Vietnamese to each other <laughs> fucking killed me. Amazing. I haven't heard the that whole, saying. It's very beautiful. I mean, just, I guess, really honestly extending it the whole 15 minutes of like them being in the car with PD to them them getting at uh, whatever the, what is their, what's her thing called? What, what's the like vivarium the, or what? Yeah, like the vivarium. Out, and like them talking to that that's helicopter a, person, the little, Adrian fight. Her, her daughter kind of like being like, hello, like. The whole sequence was just so interesting and engaging oh, oh, to watch. Her daughter goes to Petey. Mm, no, it's for the big boys in the room. Yeah, and Petey's like, "I'll stand by the car." It was yeah. just like oh, I Petey. was like, "This is the this is the future that liberals want and that I want." Where I'm just like, "This is actually really engaging because not only is it, and there's just very so few shows that would show not a power set of women have it like diverse women." Having these like obviously power play conversations, over, women over the age of forty, precisely like, like it's older just, women. It's a fucking zeitgeist of diversity, and it was just like so cool. I'm like, this feels so new to me. Yeah. Just watching it's it, it's wonderful. So why don't we go on to a couple of comics? Uh, uh, the Dawn of X titles. The last of the uh, Dawn of X titles debuted this week, uh, along with the second issue of X Men. The last uh, title is Fallen Angels number one. Spent a couple of minutes on that. Mm-hmm. What, what was your take, Brent? Well, okay, so... Brent is gay and Caitlin's gay. The, the, the basic idea is uh, uh, Psylocke has her body back. Yes. Betsy Braddock is no longer infecting it, but I don't know where she came back from. Uh, they just they switched bodies. Just Oh, they switched bodies. Yeah. I thought she just took on some sort of crazy weird form. Uh, yeah. They just know that they switch bodies. Okay. Yeah. So she's trying to deal with all the repercussions of that. Yeah. And also has this um, kind of uh, vision about someone named Apoth. Yeah. Who uh, is apparently very destructive. But in order to go learn about herself and about who this person is, she has to escape from the island. So uh, Magneto gives her instruction to go see Mr. Sinister. And then she has to form a team of people who kind of don't belong yeah. on uh, the utopia on, in, in Utopia, and they, she gets uh, uh, Cable X-23 and X twenty three. Yeah, in a little bit of a weird, hey, you guys don't really belong here, and they're like, yeah, we don't really belong here. Kind of awful dialogue. It's a terrible tem- uh, team assembly. Yeah. Really? I liked it. I, I think I like the idea of a team, a group of people who really still feel like outsiders because ethically war is what they're used to. Yeah. Um, it's like just the mercenary squad, right? Like after a war is over, what do the, like, especially in the olden days, like what do warriors do? What do soldiers do? You like yeah. become a mercenary or private business, you know, like a detective. I, I thought the art was a little too stylized Muddy. and it was a little bit too hard to get a very clear picture of what's going on. They repeated the use of, um, faces a lot, uh, that the exact same, oh, same design over and over again. Yeah. Uh, that, became kind of stale almost to a point of being a joke the uh, my favorite being uh mr sinister whenever something shocking was said to him it was his eye staring forward uh and then later when uh psylocke says i brought cable with me he stares forward again uh interesting i didn't notice that but i do agree that the art was uh, the weakest this this eye this eye here okay. right here it's oh it's the eye of sauron Oh yeah, it, it appears. Oh, I, five or I mean, six times. Is that, um, that's not the worst to me. I it, like that. It's it's a it's an artist trick to be able to like show like um emphasis on a sp- specific thing and just like sort of repeating something over and over. Oh, again. like yeah, the mouths over and over. Yeah. I actually I didn't particularly mind that part of it. I just think the art in general. I thought the stylization of it is what did it more than anything else. I was very engaged with this. I thought it was an interesting storyline. I think it's because. Obviously, we were like, well, how's 
Quanon or in this case Psylocke really going Don't to use call that her name. Quanon. But I'm like, what is she, what is this story going to be about? And I'm like, the whole point is to give her her own actual storyline, which so, I kind of like. So um, X Twitter is uh, this is pretty much their least favorite book. I mean, just based on seeing what's happening on online. Um, I conceptually, I think it's great because um, whenever there is a utopia that's created, there's always uh, you got to look at the other side of things of like what uh, certain people who don't necessarily believe that they're in paradise and how they deal with it. I love the idea that there's somebody who is been a killer their entire lives now has is basically on an island where everything is taken care of. They can just chill and whatever, and they're just fucking bored. Uh, and they, they're like, what is my reason to be? And her reason to be is to kill, is to, to, mm-hmm. to, be, to have the thrill of the adventure. And finding people who are sort of like that, I think uh, X-23 makes a certain amount of sense because I like... I, I think it makes sense. I just thought it was a clumsily done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Laura, I think um, when she went from being Wolverine back to X-23, I think was a disservice to the character. Yeah. And they never really explained why she did that, except for the fact that Logan was coming back. Right. And she basically says, I need to get out of here to get out of Logan's shadow. Uh, I was like, okay, retroactively, this makes a little bit of sense now. Uh, the thing with Cable that I think is kind of uh, interesting slash weird is, uh, and this is, we'll get into X-Men number two here in a second, the continuity of all the books have been so fucking tight. Yeah. Like, um, uh, the thing uh, from Marauders when when Logan says, gives the list and wants the coffee. Right. And uh, because coffee can't be grown in Krakoa, but uh, Doug is working on Doug Cypher, Doug Ramsey's working on it. And then New Mutants, uh, they find a mutant who can actually grow yeah. coffee. Uh, the uh, Xavier's death happening in X-Force last week yes, is being carried that. over. The weird bit of continuity is at the end of Fallen Angels, uh, Psylocke tells both X-23 and Cable, find me a team. And then at the beginning of X-Men, Cable is just hanging out with Rachel Gray, Prestige, up at the Summer's house on the moon, just chilling. It's, yeah, it's the loosest thread for me, which I actually don't like, especially because the character is like we're talking about X-Men too. I guess we can kind of combine the discussions like just so the whole thing, but that was so happy go lucky. And this is like very serious. And that does create a major conflict for me in terms of like how it's cognitive distance. Cause they're doing so well. Like ever, like I, I couldn't, I lived for the fact that a week after professor X got shot or X got shot. X, oh, that, I'm thinking of, so this is a very weird side story, and then I want to go back to my discussion. Okay. okay. We watched um, interlude. Yeah, it was uh, it was the movie with Aaliyah and Jet Li and oh, DMX. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Romeo must die. Romeo must die. So I was watching a bootlegged copy where somebody was filming it inside of a movie theater when I was a kid, and my favorite part is the because I was like, oh, you'll get this joke, but I was like, oh wait, no, they have no idea what this reference is. The and in the movie, DMX gets murdered by somebody. It's like a plot twist or what have you. Okay. The guy watching the movie just goes, oh, shit, X got shot. So, like, <laughs> I didn't even think about it until, like, it's like someone filming this video. I didn't even think about it last week. But as I said, I was like, X got shot. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Other people don't know that <laughs> reference. <laughs> I know. That's why I was trying to explain it. I know. Uh, that's why I think it's funny. So yeah. now every time you see it, you'll yeah. know. But <laughs> what I was trying to say was... Um, I, as a person, like we, Brent and I have consistently complained about, or was just like, how does this supposed to work? Who's right. stories doing this here? It was like my eyes lit up the minute I saw two different comics reference a thing that just happened last week in a continuity that made sense yeah. and actually moved forward from yes. that. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I hope they can keep up with it. My, uh, explanation, explanation, and I put it out on Twitter was, was he trying to recruit Rachel as somebody mm. who's like a time displaced mutant? Like you may feel like you're a little out of sorts. Do you want to come on this mission? But they don't really ever talk about it. Yeah. Maybe they will. The next issue of fallen angels, who knows? I put it out there um, on our social media and no one's really ca- come up with an answer. <laughs> the, we're like, no, the <laughs> only thing I could say about that is to me, the stuff we can go ahead and talk about uh, X-Men two. Yeah. The, that that seemed like it was um, 
almost uh, a chronicle. I mean, it doesn't. It, it could have happened before this. It could have happened. It can you happen mean Sex Island? No, 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 no. It can't. Like, there is a reason why we have to read this stuff in order. If you look at the end of every issue, it's yeah. almost like reading the reading order they gave us for Hawks and Pox. Yeah, is the They're, same. Yeah, so I read Fallen Angels first because that was the sequence that we're supposed to read it. Oh. All they of this do point is in an order. All now. of this is sequenced, and so I read X Men first, okay. and I thought that this seemed fine to me. This seemed that seemed like well, a side issue, and that this seemed like um, from a. Uh, a, a artistic perspective was in the in the shadow of uh, Xavier's death. That this is like a mourning kind of. But story. if you wanted to really put it together, which I think actually now that we're talking about this does make sense, is that he was <clears throat> not on mission. So like maybe this could be right before and right after X Men Two because right. all of that he was not on the first exploration when they went to actually go out to the outside world. Yeah, so Manapa. maybe shut the fuck up, Kaylin. Maybe. Um, Got him. I'm, I'm disappointed. I am I'm dis- asking questions. I, yeah. have to, I mean, like, that's I'll just, what every stupid alt-right person says. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say my piece on this. Like, I'm a bit disappointed that it's obviously, I can see why it's not being received very well. I mean, it's like a bunch of weird characters that have not, like, Some besides Fallen Angels. Laura, yeah. yeah, like, besides Laura Kinney, like, no one has any real people like I can see why this isn't really super well received. I think it's actually a pretty decent combination of both character development and narrative. Like yeah. I'm interested to know where the storyline's going to go. It reminds me less the writing's not as strong, but it reminds me of the all, like an all new Wolverine story, I think, because it's like this there's definitely a plot, but like it's obviously focused on all three of them necessarily like in yeah. t- potentially and I just felt like it was really interesting characterization for both Sinister and Magneto as well. And I thought all their voices stood out in a in a good way. Whereas like kind of switching gears over to X-Men, uh, I just, I don't know why I'm having such a tough time where I'm like reading this dialogue. And I'm like, this is fun. This is probably really fun for someone who like likes these characters, but it felt very weird to me. I loved it. The only problem I had with it was knowing who the characters are and the fact that they don't really, uh, they don't really hang out with each other a lot. That's what I mean. To me, it's it sounded like three different versions, like three people in a family. Mm-hmm. It sounded like the same voice three different ways. Yes, but they're not three different voices who have like hung out and been buddies together, or have like have repartee or anything like that. So I uh, joke that I call this uh, National Lampoon's Island Vacation <laughs> because. Um, uh, Cyclops is definitely Clark or Sparky, and then like Cable is the boy character that's played by different actors in each of the Lampoon movies, right. and then um, uh, Rachel Gray, Prestige is Audrey, played by a bunch of different actor actresses through throughout the Lampoon movies, and it's just a weird family dynamic. And I was like, I've never seen this before, but I kind of fucking like I, it. I didn't hate it. I I liked this weird extra island fucking that's going on. <laughs> Araco. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was. There's I mean, so the overall, much se- there's so much it, sex it, in these it books. It forwards along the kind of um, apocalypse or whatever his new name is. Yeah, might yeah. be out for storyline. Yeah. It rolled well because yeah. It's, so just before we get too deep into like what the story meant, like it did, I it did win me over towards the end. I definitely liked Cable was actually oddly the standout for me. I thought his jokes about the thermal grenades actually hit when I was reading them. I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Oh, where it he was talking to himself. Yes. Like, Why boil, did you bring boil, a thermal grenade? Oh, of course I did. But then I decided to give it away to someone who would think of it as an attack. It was the. It was kind of like like something about Cyclops just didn't feel a hundred. Like it was just weird how he. It almost talked a lot like Captain America. I guess. I thought like he was, Captain America he had a family seemed more interesting than he usually does, and. I think it's he has seemed he, his dialogue was in line with how he's been portrayed so far in this storyline, which is that he is now almost a religious convert to it. He yeah. really believes in this. I I 100% agree with you because we've seen the reluctant leader Cyclops, which I've got tired of reading. Yeah. We saw the militant leader of Cyclops that was from the Matt Fraction and Kieran Gillen and then ultimately the Bendis run. Clark's favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that one too, I think. That's why I was I, I actually kind of like that one, but it was... It gets exhausting. It got exhausting. And then we saw Kid Cyclops, which is, you know, fuck that kid. Kai Clops. Uh, <laughs> Kai Kai Clops. No. What do, drag, what do uh, drag queens only have one eye do? They Kai Kai Clops. 
No one likes. I you. love that you. Ryan would like that. I joke. love that you came up with a punchline first and then the setup Ryan, retroactively. Ryan, come back to us. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, jokes don't work with um, <laughs> I I do love that. Like I I was fat. I was fascinated they brought the Araco stuff so quickly. Yeah. I thought they were gonna like stretch guys, that out. We definitely talked about that on previous issues because they had that in Excalibur, right? Well, they had Otherworld in Excalibur, but it happened in Hawks and Pox when they gave the story of how. Uh, Krakoa and Araco were one big island yes. and they split apart and then it was oh, like Apocalypse's right. first horsemen were came from that yes. came from that but I thought the Araco people what are the name of the people who like worship oh the they, they're the ones who can uh, oh the, it's the, the, the it's the uh, um, uh, a Kaaba uh, it's a Kaaba uh, yeah. okay well then I fucked up and thought they were two different but they things. did reference the other other world in both correct yeah they said yeah so I, there is a, a lot of tight continuity happening and it makes me incredibly excited. It makes these books so much more fun to read. Yeah. Like even with like slight slip ups, like the cable thing, the two in one, especially after X Force. Yeah, and they even reference like what's been going on there. I'm just yeah. like, uh. all right. Uh, do you guys want to do a new segment? Okay. No, but we'll do it anyway. New segment. It's a part of a hopefully ongoing series where I randomly bring in weird questions that I might have or other people might have about anything superhero related the segment is called all right this might be stupid um <laughs> so i was uh, uh returning home from a trip to atlanta uh and uh on one of the uh walls in dc on 14th street someone had put up a bunch of posters of captain america uh printed multiple times with the label class trader on it what what so that's it, a really that's a superlative I did not have in my high it's school. It's a it's a bunch of uh, class trader. Yeah. <laughs> most likely to betray the class. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got a bunch of photos of Captain America and then a bunch of repeat text that says class trader. None of it perfectly aligns because it's all printed on what looks like uh, regular ass uh, printer paper. Um, so my question is. Is this complete and utter nonsense, or is there any sense in which Captain America is a class? Trader? I don't even know what how to class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the idea of a class trader is that someone comes from, uh, usually no one, no rich person criticizes him for being a class trader, but like someone from a working class or a lower oh, level society okay. that ultimately betrays the values of that level of society by being a in superstar order, in order to support. Uh, the the people who are already well off, the people who are already well to do. This just seems like a lot like thoughtless. Well, unless somehow, how, how could you? Uh, how do I put it together? I think it's because the character is now being leveraged by Disney to drive capitalism, which is an antithesis of working class values. I think that the way to think of Captain America as a class trader is that he is a guy who is supposed to be for the people, but he is used by the government for so long to support their interests rather than the interests of the average person. It's ultimately why Captain America has to break away in um, Winter Soldier, mm -hmm. but that for a while he was just used as like, America's go-to soldier would to you do say whatever he was they used want. as a sword versus a shield. I, I would say that. I guess, <laughs> you know, I said a bunch of stuff, but you really, you know, you put the hammer on the head. Or I'd the like you to sheath that. That's joke. why yeah, I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> the zero uh, bucks. If somebody had said race trader, I wouldn't have agreed with it, but it would have made more sense. <laughs> but class trader makes no does sense. The, does the phrase class trader not register with you at all? Not. I mean, I guess it for does. I never America? for a card carrying communist. I think it would. <laughs> Hey, I need to renew that card. Yeah, yeah no, well, that's because they use Race Trader uh, you and know what? Watchmen. Yeah, yes, they well, do. Someone signed it at the bottom. It says Red Skull. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's, yeah, that God is, he's getting really nefarious with his tactics. I like this segment, but that's stupid. That is, yeah. well. <laughs> all right, th yeah, okay, we'll put that verdict at the end. Is this, all right, this might be stupid. <laughs> is it stupid? I love that you're channeling Clark Hoods. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so, we got some breaking, breaking news. So, we got a couple of um, uh, bits of information about the uh, Disney Plus Marvel shows, uh, both Moon Knight and She-Hulk. Uh, Moon Knight, uh, the showrunner, is going to be Jeremy Slater of the Umbrella Academy. 
and he did some other stuff too, which is I'm like, eh, I didn't really love Umbrella Academy not as much as you guys did. But did he? He didn't write it. No, he was. I think he was one of the directors and one of one of the one of the writers of one of the episodes, I believe, okay. or a few of the episodes. I liked. Uh, uh, it, I mean, it was it. Fu- compared to the rest of the stuff that's happened this yeah. year. It's pretty mediocre, considering that it had very few. Was that this year? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, don't forget. Been long. Our, uh, what is that? What's that poor show that got canceled? Deadly Class. Uh, oh, R.I.P. Deadly Class. R.I.P. No. Yeah. Do you know that? That feels like that was like seven years ago. It really did. Uh, but I'm more excited about this. She-Hulk uh, is going to be run by Jessica Gao. I'm glad it's a woman. Ooh. I'm glad it's a woman of color. And she also was the writer of the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty. Not my favorite episode from the third season, but a very well-received one. I want a cameo appearance by Susan Sarandon as a psychologist again. Uh, I, well, mm-hmm. you, well, she's awful, but yeah, you, you got to admit that monologue was but pretty good. But she makes yeah. a great psychologist <laughs> in an episode about a person who turns himself into a pickle. You got to admit. I despise the fact that I found out she was the voice actress because like that, the ending monologue is so good. It's that 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 is what makes the episode for oh, me, totally. not like oh. all the antics. Do you think, though, that's just because uh, of how much it was pushed by... Uh, Adult Swim as advertising that Pickle Rick was everywhere. That might be part of it, but I think um, it's one of those uh, high concepts that's just so absurd that like people just kind of get into it. It's like the Meeseeks episode of the first season. You like it or you don't. I well, think the Meeseeks episode is actually very smart because it's taking a real uh, interesting sci-fi trope and like kind of turning it on its head. Pickle Rick. Rick just turns himself into a pickle. I think that's I, the whole I, point. That's I why like it's so it funny. More. I like yeah. it more and more every time. I but, used to hate pick, it. Pickle Rick? Yeah. Okay. Be- I think it's so absurd that that's why. It- because, because yeah, it's a relational thing. But we don't, that's not the important thing. The important thing is, it's He's a, pr- a It's still not the worst episode of Rick and Morty. No, it's not a, at all. It's not even the worst episode of season three. Structurally, it's a very enjoyable one. For sure. And super excited that she's going to be writing She-Hulk. Oh, yeah. yeah and She-Hulk needs that kind of irreverent, fourth wall breaking humor for it to work so having somebody who knows how to craft a story and use comedy and action together makes it very makes it great uh so moon knight she hulk and miss marvel are confirmed that they're going to be in the movies after their show's premiere so the uh there's gonna be a lot more integration between uh what's going to be on the app as what's going to be on screen this great. gives That's me fantastic. really good faith that Sky from Agents of Shield is going to be showing up one of these days, right? Like, doesn't that make you guys excited? You know, <laughs> I have fallen into a weird rabbit hole on YouTube where I get recommended a bunch of different clips of Agents of Shield, specifically things that Ghost Rider does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it happened. But it's not helping that I watch them randomly. Well, and I I was definitely just joking. They're never making it on, and it's very unfortunate. So uh, I, I know you're joking. Agents of Shield. Uh, speaking of Agents of Shield, there yeah, was a funny joke about that on I'm Sorry. Yeah. That like dealt with Agents of Shield because I finally watched both seasons all the yes. way through, and her friend. Uh, who uh, has a divorce and is trying to figure yeah. out like yeah, how yeah, to yeah. Uh, figure out like to. Uh, date or like you know spend her free time not thinking so about this is i'm sorry starring andrea savage on true tv yeah it's on netflix both seasons are on it's fucking phenomenal watch it's it very funny it's very very funny well her friend go like they're at an escape room it's like oh let's do another one it's like absolutely not it's yes. 9 30 at night can't you just go home and watch agents of shield <laughs> <laughs> um which is a pretty funny joke also i found out uh the guy the actor who plays mike is 49 years old which one's Wait. her husband her handsome, handsome. Yeah. Husband. Oh my God. Oh yeah. yeah. Let's uh, Tom Everett Scott. Let's talk about Disney Plus. It's Disney Plus week. Plus, 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 so plus, it plus. premiered this week. Uh, Brent and Adam, I'm not sure if you guys have watched anything yet. Nothing. I haven't seen anything. Uh, all I know is that there are people love gargoyles. People love Darkwing Duck and X Men: uh, The Animated Series. Is that what they're also watching? There, okay. Oh, a ton. And Clark, if you were here, would tell you he watched. Steamboat Willie, which is, seems very appropriate. I feel like you should have been required to have to watch Steamboat Willie the first time you log in. Yeah, like you you download the app, and regardless of whether or not you've got, a you Disney can still Plus, skip it, but you have like no, five no, 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 no. seconds of Steamboat Willie. It's like it's a skip intro, but it won't let you skip it. It's like the worst joke ever. You're trapped in there. <laughs> it says skip intro, and then you press it, and then it like doesn't do anything, and it keeps playing Steamboat Willie, and then a button comes up. 
just kidding. Actually, you can skip the intro now, and you press it. It's like, no, but seriously, like, just skip it. Go, it come on, skip it, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> skip it, pussy. So I did watch uh, stuff on Disney Plus, and I think I told you all that because uh, Rise of Skywalker is coming out at the end of the year, I'm going to watch all the Star Wars stuff in chronological order. So the first thing I watch and pray all, for my soul. All, all of it. I, I start with episode one, including Clone Wars. Yes, yeah, Clone not, Wars, Rebels, not, Resistance, yeah. all that is of, so everything. So much content. I know it's every it's everything that's in currently in canon. Can I yeah. say this? Yeah, I'm calling bullshit because if you're not also playing every one of the video games, most of them in, are in canon though, in con- chronological order. <laughs> Uh, who says I'm not going to? One thing to. you're going to have to do, though, it, well, I want to get into your take on these shitty movies, but um, you got to read the books. The books aren't canon. All of the no, books. No, the they have new universe books and uh, comics. I'm, well, the comics I'm going to try to don't read some of them. Don't you want to know what Captain Phasma's backstory is? If you don't, how, how her armor got so shiny. If you don't consume every part of Star Wars, can you consider yourself a fan? Uh... No, I, I, I want to respond. Question. I want to respond in Hutty. It was a rhetorical just so question. I could, now, just so go I could on get... with your your little. Kaylin so Star I watched. Wars I watched. Uh, so Star, so new segments. Kalen Star Wars Corner. We're gonna do this for the next few weeks until Rise of Skywalker you comes come out. Come up with a better name. Uh, Mos Eisley's Cantina. Come up with one. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's done. Uh, Kalen Star no, Wars. It's, it's Star Wars Episode I, Boar. I said it. Now go on. Uh... <laughs> Now, with that attitude, uh, I'm not going to tell you about the time I watched Phantom Menace again. Great. All right. Let's talk about Titans. No, no, no. no. So if I watched Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I, I have not seen Phantom Menace since it came out in 1999, so full 20 years. And I wanted to see, was it as bad as I remember? It's not. It's worse. Wait. It's actually worse. No, wait. Slow down. The Phantom Menace came out in 99. Yeah, you, 20 years ago. You, I thought you said 28, and I was like, what? Oh. No, yeah, 20. Almost, it looked like you almost had an aneurysm. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> well, I just had to do the math because I was like, I you were the, saw that movie in high school, I thought, or middle school. Like, what? You were, high high you school were that or meme. middle school or kindergarten. Who knows? <laughs> you were that meme of the math over the woman yes, right there for a second. I had a, well, I have a very deliberate story to Phantom Menace because my school kept, uh, they kept calling in bomb threats to my school. Like, I don't want to say it's a coincidence and that I did it, but that, no, there were bomb threats at my school and me, the movie had just come out, I guess that Wednesday, and we all went to go see it. Were they giving reviews of the movie? <laughs> no, and then the next, oh, that's, okay, that's funny. But that's the only reason why I got, <laughs> that's the only reason I got so confused, because I was like, but I, I was in eighth grade and there was a bomb threat. I remember that bomb threat. Go on, sorry. Okay. So the movie, it's worse than I remember. I mean, obviously the acting and the dialogue is all very clunky. Uh, I forgot how bad the racial stereotypes were. I mean, yeah, horrendously Lisa, bad. Lisa, don't believe you. That's not even the worst one. Oh, I mean, mister, we're going to trade <laughs> with you. You're like, stop <laughs> it, you fucking racist. Is this what you think Asians do? Or uh, the fact that uh, is a Watto. Yeah, uh, is a huge Jewish. Yeah, Jew- he's right. got a giant nose. Uh, he's like a slave trader, and he's all he cares about is money. That he, he, they should have just called him Shylock and got it over with. That, it's so bad. They took him from Russian propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they did. Uh, the movie is unbelievably problematic, and like I was rewriting it in my head because there is a nugget of a good idea. Yeah. Of oh create, yeah. Of I mean, Ian McDermott as um as Palpatine is phenomenal. Uh, he is very very like innocuous seeming and then very menacing yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it would have been much more interesting if uh, the whole storyline had kind of delved around creating an uprising of like the outer rim worlds like Tatooine uh, that aren't, that don't see this uh, utopia that most Republic uh, right. worlds do because they even said they go out of their way to say that slavery still exists in Tatooine. Uh, and if you had created some kind of a populist uprising, I think it would have been a much better storyline than like some stupid fucking trade war. Um, I don't know. And they, but they, but surely the music still holds. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, Duel of the Fates is still great. Uh, actually, uh, I think uh, Liam Neeson as uh, Qui Gon is quite good. Um, there's a reason why Jake Lloyd never worked again as an actor. Oh that my kid God, was bad. That's right. He was really bad. 
Uh, the, I mean, and also that uh, series did give birth to a really great N64 racing game, uh, Star Wars Pod Racing. Was it good? It was actually very good, I uh, think. Well, the, that part of the movie is bad. There were some parts of that game that really annoyed me. It was very hard. There, there were, Yeah, there are certain characters you could literally never beat. Yeah. No matter how good you were. And then I'll just say this about Attack of the Clones, which is marginally better than Phantom Menace, but not much better. I forgot how fucking creepy Hayden Christian is as Anakin. Okay. I am fucking convinced he uses his Jedi mind powers to convince Padme to be with him. That would have been super a lot fucking, more interesting. It would have been, but it's also super fucking rapey. Yeah. I hate the prequel trilogy. It gets everywhere. It's so... Uh, <laughs> okay. It's so bad. So that's been my corner. Next week, I'll talk a little bit more about uh, Clone Wars. Next week, you're going to have to hear about how he killed the younglings and dun, the children. Dun, 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 it's like, dun, I, not, dun, just the, dun, not just dun, the men. Dun, 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 Skip dun, recap. Dun, dun. Uh, well, we're talking about uh, Titans. Uh, hey, season. Brent. Brent. No one wants you here. Get out of here. Just get, get out of here. No Go one with, loves you. You're crazy a dumb dog. dog. Uh, well, we we got to see Connor have a Harry and the Hendersons moment with his dog, Crypto, where... It was the best part of the show, by the way. Really great acting from a dog. I mean, <laughs> bark, bark, right on cue. And... Uh, <laughs> The whole episode. Uh, so this is episode ten. Yes. Um, I tried. I was trying to say. I that know we you. cut you off. I was uh, just trying to fill in. There's only three more episodes left. So I think the main <laughs> interesting part of the story was uh, with Beast Boy. And Which one? Connor. The seventeen stories that were going on this. <laughs> so, I like Prison Break myself. So much chaos. Uh, yeah, uh, let's name them. So Harry and the Hendersons was Connor's storyline. Right. There was Prison Break for Dick Grayson. Yeah. There was. Um, all my One children. flew over the cuckoo's nest with Raven. There was. Oh, I get what you did. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a. Um, Not that's so a Raven. Oh no, she's the Exorcist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a uh, uh, CSI. See, I guess it was San Francisco with Donna Troy because she was wandering around that the. She, she somehow found the crime scene. I loved that. That I'm like, you tracked her down to a random. So each of the each of the storylines. Let's go back through yeah. them. Uh, with Harry and the Hendersons, it was Connor uh, coming back to the Titans Tower and then it being invaded by uh, Mercy. C- Cadmus and uh, Connor. We didn't even talk about the most interesting storyline. Crypto and uh, Beast Boy were all captured by Cadmus. Yes. So that was one. Then what did you have? I was going to say uh, the kids are all right uh, with the lesbian relationship with the kids between Mercy and her wife. Uh, Wait, what was that? In the beginning, that's Mer- the opening scene. It's uh, it's the best part of the episode. I saw it on Friday. It is the best part of the episode. It's Mercy, Mercy, and her wife driving their kids, and the kids are just being whatever. Oh, and they I were like, hated we're, that. Oh, do you want to play a game? We're gonna play a game tonight. We're gonna play. We can play board games tonight. Uh, what I did she like, say? I was like, I don't like. I don't want to oh, do fish. that. We can play Go Fish, even though it's not a board game. I don't. Think. I don't know. Uh, she goes. Well, I don't like monogamy either, but we're going to do it. I love that. How did you hate that? Go fuck yourself. It was really poorly acted, really poorly written, and um, everything about it was terrible. So then, no, in, you're talking in about the prison the break storyline. In the prison break storyline, Robin uh, has put himself in prison for reasons no one knows. It's more like prison stay instead of prison break because he does not want to leave. Uh, yeah, and he also he doesn't want to help anyone, and he makes that very clear. And then there are some people who are trying to escape who he says you can't escape without help. He's not going to provide that help. And then he provides that help. Also, they have this kind of weird quasi-racist cop. No, religi- the, uh, religious symbol of the bird. Azazul. That helps, Azazul that helps him at night. It's like the reason why it's racist is because they they Googled. Oh, what what exactly. are bird gods? And then they're like, in what's the race I need of the people to yeah. be in order to present this bird god? This is all just leading up to him being Nightwing. Wouldn't you yeah. fuck that police officer, though? I was kind of hot for him. Him? Yeah, I no. don't know. I seem kind of like, oh, girl, get I'll get like an dick. individual cell and just give it a best shot. So in the, uh, in the boring exorcist, um, uh, Raven helps a woman in a the home, Mexer says in a uh, in a homeless shelter uh, who has got an abusive relationship, and then a part of Raven's uh, psychic spirit, yeah. spirit goes and possesses a gargoyle because obviously it picks objects that human beings can recognize. That was a weird and scared fucking... about, and then it mauls this woman's boyfriend, husband, whatever, uh, which. 
than CSI uh, CSI Themyscira. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a good title. Shows up and she's like, "There's been a crime here, Robin. Please call me back." No, Robin's not. What answering. my favorite part is is like, I get it. He's the leader. Doesn't don't they have anyone else's number? number? No. <laughs> wouldn't Gar think to call Raven? And wouldn't Donna think to call Starfire? What the fuck was that bitch doing? Also, I love after almost two seasons of a show, they're not really a team. They're just kind of people who hang out with each other. I mean, that's a fine uh, flourish for the show, but it's this did feel well. So I will say this episode felt the most of like an actual rhythm. Again, I think like. It's just so much up and down and speed forward on one character, then slow down on the other. Like this felt a lot like to me, like an episode of Umbrella Academy because in Umbrella Academy, every one of them has like, there's like seven different storylines going right. on an episode, but it's all cohesively connected that th- like they'll connect and then they'll break apart and then they'll connect. I, and they'll break I apart. think this- it's a function of the thing that you loved about season one, Kaylin was how immersed in the world it felt. Yes. And I think that was the best writing flourish that they had going. In season one, I think the writers have kind of realized that some of the actors can't sustain the show on their own. So the elements that became somewhat background, too much of it came to the foreground. And so there's way too much storyline in to fill the spots where they it's just too weak as like a TV show otherwise. They have to write people off the show. So Hawk and Dove need to be off the show, even for that VPL. Uh they probably need to Praise write me. they probably need to write Raven out of it. I think Gar is actually really fun. I think Donna Troy is excellent. Starfire is awesome. How can they awesome. write Raven out of it? I think they should just recast her. I don't yeah, but I don't you need Raven. She's like this she was the sort of the catalyst that brought them all together. I know, but what I'm saying but like she's also not even if you recasted it, like they have nothing to do with that character. It's too powerful. Like they need to have mostly low, like they have Connor now. Yeah. They need like mostly Connor is a great at, like they just need to tone it down to like seven people. If that, like it, it, like it doesn't feel like so many, it doesn't feel like a team show. It just feels like an ensemble, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but why call it Titans then? Um, well, it got renewed for a third season, which is going to be in the fall of 2020. I'm right. happy for that. Yeah. I'm, I think it's still a show that's higher quality than most things. I'm yeah. like, I'd rather, I find at least every week it to be so interesting because I'm like, what the fuck is happening? What happened in the? It's kind they of don't tra- they it's don't kind really, of a train wreck, but I like so it. It's so weird. They don't drop anything. It's just like it's these weird ups and downs. It does actually. I will say, having now watched DC Universe Young Justice. <laughs> It also sometimes feels like, because Young, I mean, granted, Young Justice has 22 or more episodes per season. I mean, it's only 22 minutes at a time. But I'm like, it is a pretty serialized show. And half the time, they'll do like a one character episode. Mm -hmm. And then they'll do like a multi-character or multi-sequence episode. So it's like, I think they're trying to repeat that a little bit. But it just doesn't work in 45 minutes of television with live actors. Well, and also it doesn't have, the the world isn't as fleshed out as it is in Young Justice. Cartoons also just don't work the same right. way that other stories do like yeah. the atmosphere setting the that kind of stuff isn't as important in a cartoon you get an establishing shot and then move on and that's yeah. it one one thing I'll, one paul blart tune one Gotta more go. thing one more thing i'll just say really quickly is um wow Hello? Hello? he just muted adam uh, yeah Hello? no paul blart tunes Hello? That was the least sensical thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Uh, One quick thing I'll just say is uh, in the recap, uh, they did show the old Niles Calder from the Titans episode, not Timothy Dalton. So um, it's just kind of weird to me. Wait, who's Timothy Dalton? Sorry, you're not connected. I I still have have (laughs) blocked you. No, no, no. I know it it is still. You're you're, you're still still blocked, by the way. It was still it was just jarring. Paul Blart too. So, is that um, you? We just really quickly, we read a couple of other comics this week. It was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 11, History of the Marvel Universe number 5. They're both fine. Let, uh, let's bump History of the Marvel Universe to next week. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I kind of liked. It's a it's a good series. It's about to come to an end, though. Uh, it was an, in, uh, an interesting way of taking a story that's very short and yeah. really ratcheting it up to being very intense. Yeah. Where... All of um, the the forces that could possibly stop the Church of Truth have assembled on this uh, ship 
but there are too many Draxes. There's too much chaos, and all of the other Guardians uh, are able to fight back. So in the kind of last scene, we see um, uh, Rocket, his his mech has been destroyed, so he's dying. Yeah. The leftover, the um, Groot and Peter have been captured and are going to be converted, and the Church of Truth is heading for Earth. Uh, to take to take the will of every single hero there and every single person on the planet, uh, but the little baby Groots that we had seen uh, Groot forming very early on—can we call it, them Groot Force? Sure, Groot Force. Yeah, uh, were uh, able to come and help revive Rocket enough to be the last great hope for uh, saving the galaxy. Yeah. So um, there's one more issue. Before this version of Guardians ends, uh, it's Donny Cates' last run, and then um, and then we will uh, go into the Al Ewing run, because it'll relaunch in a couple months. I mean, I think yeah. it's been okay so far. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I'm enjoying it. I love Donny Cates. I think it's I think it's a really fun cosmic title. So uh, next week we will talk about History of the Marvel Universe number five. Uh, we've got. Um, uh, both Excalibur and Marauders number two, the fifth episode of Watchmen, uh, the eleventh episode of Titans, and as always, find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify now, and interact with us on Twitter and SoundCloud. We've been Homo Superior, and uh, always remember, Adam Kasari is a class trader and he hates dogs. <laughs>